Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where we learn all about building resilience in ourselves and helping others build it too. We draw from the principles of positive psychology and coaching to help you face adversity and do more than just survive. We want you to thrive. We are certified life coaches and speech language pathologists, and we will help you manage your mind, your emotions, and become the very best version of yourself, version 2.0. Let's get started. This is Heather Stables and Leah Davidson, and this is the Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 11, Understanding Feelings. Wow, Leah, Episode 11. That's right. And I'm pretty sure this is going to be airing in March, which means we are... It is spring. That's right. But I didn't want to talk about the weather again, Heather. Oh, right. (laughs) But that's your favorite season. I know. It's starting my favorite season. But I was actually thinking of March. It has been a year since the global pandemic has really, really hit home. I was reflecting on what I was doing last March. And last March, I was super excited because March break was coming up and we always travel on March break. We alternate between traveling with our kids and traveling just on our own because we are a blended family. And so March breaks are alternated between the kids' other family. And this was a year last year that we were so excited because we were going to be going away with my brother and sister-in-law. And we were going to Barcelona and Mallorca, and we had it all planned out. And my husband and I, we were going a few days ahead of my brother and sister-in-law. And we left. And when we got there, I got these messages just rolling in from my brother and sister-in-law saying like, we can't go, we can't get there, everything's been shut down. And that just went from being the most exciting time to seriously the most stressful time because we had to figure out how to get home from Barcelona And my kids were also all over the globe. I had one son who was in Botswana with his dad. I had my stepdaughter who was in Hawaii at school. I had my son who was on a mission for our church in Tahiti. And luckily I had two other kids who were safe and sound tucked at home, one in Idaho and one in Toronto. But I tell you, it was such a stressful time But there were a lot of good things that came out of it eventually. I know that the year wasn't a complete write-off, but when I think of March, I automatically go back to how I was feeling all those up and down emotions. It's amazing how you could hold like two emotions at the same time of, you know, just being so excited and happy and relieved and so stressed and anxious and overwhelmed. What were you up to last March, Heather? Oh, well, I mean, I was in Toronto. I wasn't traveling, thank goodness, but I was traveling at the end of January. And that was a trip that I really, I mean, it was 50-50. I have to be honest. It was (laughs) 50-50. I was with my family. There were 10 of us in Costa Rica. And, you know, it was a last minute decision. I wasn't even going to go. And I joined, I I think two weeks before I was like, oh, why not? You know, because I had plans to travel other places, not Costa Rica, but I wanted to go other places in 2020. Anyway, so my partner at the time and I went and over the course of the the vacation, the relationship unfolded (laughs) in a way that 
I knew wasn't going to last. And so it was, so you had a very bittersweet vacation then too. (laughs) I did. I did. And I remember coming home and thinking, oh man, I'm so happy to be home. And just as we landed the person behind our seat, like just adjacent to us threw up and it landed all over everything, <laughs> all over like our shoes. And that oh was my a goodness. sign of what was to come. It was. And I was just like, get me off the plane. And now I would give anything to get back on a plane I and know. go somewhere. I know. But this is the perfect segue when we're talking about vacations to what we're going to be talking about today, which is understanding feelings. Because it's amazing how, generally speaking, vacations are exciting and they evoke like these awesome feelings like relaxation and fun and excitement, but they can also, you know, change. And you can also have some unpleasant feelings associated with different things that are going on. So feelings are a great thing for us to explore. And I'm excited that we're going to dive into it in this episode, as well as next week's episode. That's how big they are. I love feelings. Oh my goodness. I love feelings. So I've always been fascinated by human behavior, why we do or why we don't do what we want to do. And this really determines if we're living in alignment with our values and integrity or not. And I can tell you that the explanation lies within our feelings. That's right. Everything is about feelings. And like I said, it's such a big topic. We're going to spend the next two episodes covering them because we really don't want to overwhelm you. So I want you to just take some time to listen because today we're going to talk about what they are and where they come from, why they're important, and the different ways that we usually deal with them. And then next episode, we're going to talk about the best way that we want to try to deal with them. Yeah. So let's get into what are feelings? Um, feelings are an emotion. Um, we're going to use those two words interchangeably. It's just a vibration in our body. We have a thought and it releases neurochemicals that then cascade throughout our body. Take a second and think about how joy feels. Where do you feel it in your body? Now think about nervousness. Where would you feel that? Now, I want to distinguish between feelings and sensations because there is a difference. Feelings come from our thoughts and move from our brain to our body. So they travel from our brain to our body. Sensations, on the other hand, start in our body and then travel to our brain. We have a thought about them and that can then create another feeling. So a sensation would be like hunger or a sensation would be like touching a hot stove. So it starts in the body, travels to the brain. We're not talking about that today though. We're talking about feelings, brain to body. That's right. So if we look at where feelings come from, there are a few different places that will influence the feelings that we have. We're mainly going to talk today about the the main one, but I do want to touch on what the other things are that can influence us. So for example, our overall personality. It's kind of like an emotional personality we can have. So I like to think of it like, are you a tigger 
or are you an e-whore? So our emotional character is influenced by so many different things like our genetics, our DNA, and then also things like our caretakers and our role models, the families that we're in, et cetera. And other things that can influence our emotions are things like our culture, our religion, what we're surrounded by, the neighborhood, the gender, race. These are all things that can impact our feelings. And another big way is emotions can be stored in our bodies. Maybe this is due to trauma that we have not processed. So it's like this energy that we've stored up and our bodies just cling on to that. And we're going to talk more about that in just a second. Because we wanted to mention these things because they can impact your emotions. However, most of our emotions are created from our thoughts and beliefs. Now, again, as we said previously, we have a ton of unconscious thoughts. And sometimes we can have these unconscious thoughts and they can create a stress response due to that perceived threat. So we've talked about that on previous podcasts too. So our body also has a memory and maybe that's a memory of a trauma and that can be unconscious, that can create a reaction and that can create a feeling. So we're going to focus on how normally feelings are created. We create feelings with our thoughts most of the time. So emotions such as anger, sadness, dread, nervousness, stress, overwhelm, confusion. So emotions do not happen to us. That's the most important thing to understand. We actually create them. We create them, which is great news because it means that if we create them from our thoughts, then we can also intentionally choose how to respond when they surface. All right, let's talk about why do feelings even matter? Like, why are they so important? Well, feelings, they fuel our actions. They drive everything that we do, what we don't do, how we react. So think about the language that we use when we're describing the actions that we take or we don't take. So for example, we'll say something like, oh, I feel like eating sushi for dinner tonight, which is basically me every night. Or I don't feel like doing the dishes, which is also basically me every night. (laughs) And it's all driven by how we feel. So feelings also explain why we yell or slam doors when we're reading, when we're reacting to somebody or something. So every decision we make, every dream we achieve achieve, or everything that we just let pass us by, every relationship that we choose to nurture or end is based on how we feel and how we want to feel. Yeah, I love that. I think that many of us are really good at labeling our emotions but not so open to allowing them because there's a big difference to really process them, especially the difficult ones when they surface. And I want to talk about why is that? And I just want to say that some people are good at labeling them, but some people aren't. And that's okay too. Like sometimes people will just, they're not really sure what it is. And I, when I'm working with clients, I do find that some clients they'll have sort of a general, it's either unpleasant or pleasant. And so I often send them, you can find this on the internet, a feeling wheel. And that just gives you a whole bunch of feelings that you can choose from almost like a platter that you're serving them up because I think it can be hard for people to label what it is they're feeling 
just because they may not have the language there. So if we offer the language to them, they can go through and they can identify and they can pick and choose what the label is. So I just want to offer that if you do have a hard time labeling your feelings, you're not alone. I'm right there with you. So uh, we can go to Google and we can ask Google, what are some feeling words? And Google will, will give us some and then we get to pick and choose and try some on like we're trying on clothing. Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I find that some people, something happens, a circumstance, and some people begin with their thoughts. They're very aware of their thoughts and that's where they start the whole process. I begin with my feelings and have to back mm. up to my thought. So the feeling is the first the first place to start for me. So I'm yeah, that's that what you, you feel at first. Now it's created by a thought, but you're not aware of what that thought necessarily is. Yeah, that's right. I got to yeah. back up. And that's the beauty of the model that you don't, you can plug in different things. If you already know what your feeling is, then you can work backwards and say, okay, so what thought is creating that feeling? And so why is that? Why, why is it difficult to process emotions? I think most of us are socialized to believe that feelings are a problem to be fixed. Just think of the language we use to talk about feelings. For example, if someone's upset, what do we say? What's wrong? Or don't be sad. We're not taught to express our emotions or to invite difficult ones in because it's scary and it feels uncomfortable. I think we also have an urge, I don't know about you, Leah, to rescue mm. others, especially children, from feelings that oftentimes we as adults have never learned ourselves to sit in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I feel that so much as a mother. And I mean, there's a saying that you're only as happy as your saddest kid. And I get the saying as a mother, but at the same time, it sends a message that there's something wrong. If you have a child who's experiencing sadness or anxiety or, or any kind of discomfort, like we're actually just denying the 50, 50 of life. So I, I do think we have urges to try to make everybody feel better. Um, especially I know for me, especially it, it's, very uncomfortable for me when one of my kids is is having to process some negative emotions. I really do want to jump in there and fix it. Mm -hmm. So we grow into adults who have an urge now to reject anxiety, shame, guilt, anger, because we we were taught that it was something to be fixed. And when they surface, it doesn't feel good. It feels really unpleasant, actually. Subconsciously, I think we've also learned that expressing feelings can make other people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so we make the people happy by telling them what they want to hear. How many times has that happened where somebody will ask you something and you'll think to yourself, you don't really want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly it. And when someone asks you how you are, how many times do we ask or answer reflexively, okay, or good, or fine, totally reflexive and interesting because okay, good, and fine aren't even feelings. Yes, I know. <laughs> it is true. They're just like our, they're habitual. They're our habitual responses. They're, they're pretty meaningless, actually. I know. So when we answer with these blanket, neutral I don't know, not non-feelings. We don't really speak our truth and we disconnect or disassociate from our feelings entirely. We can't express them. 
and we certainly don't know how to process them. That's right. So the question is, is what do we do? How, how are we handling our emotions? So we're going to go through and we're going to give you a couple of ways that we all handle our emotions. So it's not like you can go through and say, oh, that's how I do it. Because as humans, we all handle them in these ways. It's just that they're not always the most effective ways for us. And we also have some preferred ways. So the first way is probably my preferred way. And when, well, I, I, I'd be careful when I say the word preferred. I don't want to do it that way, but it sort of is my tendency. It's my go-to way of processing my feelings, or it was because now I'm learning differently. But it's resisting. It's resisting the feeling. So this is kind of like trying to hold a beach ball underwater. So you know how you push it down, push it down, and it sort of requires more force as you're holding it down. You can be casually talking to people who are on the beach with you, and they don't even notice you're holding this giant beach ball underwater. But at some point, it's exhausting, and it may just pop up. Eventually, that beach ball is going to come popping up from the water, and it's going to come popping up with a lot of force. So that's what resistance, that's sort of a good metaphor for it. But what does it look like in our life? It kind of looks like we're fighting the emotion. We argue with reality. So we'll say things like, this shouldn't be happening. This isn't fair. I know that we spend a lot of time trying to change our circumstance. So we'll try to push up against the reality. We'll try to micromanage things. We'll try to fix it. We'll look for the solution. I'm totally describing all the things that I do. And that's because then we really don't have to deal with the emotion. Like we're so busy pushing up against it and in denial with it. We just try to talk ourselves out of it. We try to talk ourselves into feeling differently. So you'll hear yourself saying things like, oh, it's no big deal. It doesn't matter that he was late for dinner for the 10th time. Or I shouldn't feel nervous about sending my kid off to school. Or I shouldn't feel angry that the elevator is broken again. So we try to talk ourselves out of having the feelings and we push up against re reality, we deny it, and we just think to ourselves, it shouldn't be happening, it should be over by now, it's not fair that it happened. So those are, you may recognize some of those phrases that you've said, that's just because you're resisting emotions. And it's okay, we all do it. So again, we're always going to remind you, this is not so that you can sit back and be Judge Judy. This is so that you can sit back and be aware, ah, actually, that is one of my go-to ways of dealing with emotions. And we're all human. I think we need to normalize these responses to uncomfortable feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The second way to deal with feelings is to react to a feeling much like children do. It's like letting the emotion control our behavior or our response to it. We react to it because it's kind of like we believe that someone or something external has caused it. So it's your fault. It's kind of like we act out. It can look like yelling at someone, slamming a door, or throwing an adult tantrum. Reacting is when we push against the emotion, we dramatize things, or we, we, we freak out. And a great example of this is cursing someone who cuts you off, being stuck in traffic, hitting every light. I don't know where all these car examples are coming from because I don't <laughs> drive anymore, but <laughs> having to wait in line, waiting for someone to return your call, etc. So you can see how these 
situations, circumstances could trigger a reaction. Well, you have your thought about these circumstances that creates that feeling. And I do think, I think reactions is, I know it's sort of a bit of a gross visual, but it's like somebody just throws up all over everything. They throw up all their feelings and it's messy and it's smelly and they may temporarily feel better. You know, when you're sick and you, you feel better getting it out, but <laughs> I know it's such a gross example, but it really Thank you is for a that. good analogy, but then you have to clean up. You have to clean it up or somebody else has to. So temporarily you may feel better, but then there's a big mess to clean up. So it's not always the most ideal way to deal with your feelings. <laughs> I'll never think of reaction the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But we can also turn reaction on ourselves so we can react by engaging in self-pity, sulking, acting like a martyr. These are all ways we react. I was always a big sulker. I remember my dad, bless his heart, he passed away 18 years ago now. But I remember my dad always saying to me, oh, quit sulking. <laughs> because I guess I was just a really big sulker. That was my way. I didn't have temper tantrums like some toddlers do, like some of my kids have done. We're having a freak out. I just went into a martyr sulking and I probably, if you're going to ask my, my family, I bet you they would say that my way of reacting is more that internal sulking kind of thing, acting like a martyr, a little bit of self-pity, having a pity party. I can be pretty good at that. As long as you're not throwing up on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got stories about that too. I don't want to embarrass some of my kids, but man, oh man, I've got some like horrible stories. Like I'm sure a lot of parents have, but I'll leave it at that. I'm sure we all know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> all right. The third way, let's get this grossness done with. The third way is we avoid emotions. When we sense the emotion, we try to escape it or dull it. And the word that we use for that is called buffering. So, and it's all the actions that we take are what I like to call the overactions. So we overeat or overdrink or overwork or overspend or over social media or turn to porn or gambling or so on. Now, most of these buffering behaviors have what we call a net negative consequence. So I'm not suggesting that when you have an a unpleasant feeling come up and you try to avoid it to, by distracting yourself, that it's always a bad thing. Sometimes it's okay. You distracting, you may decide that you want to go out. You may want to do a little shopping. You may want to get your mind off things, turn to Netflix. So we're not suggesting that the couple times that you do that is the problem that you can never distract yourself. Sometimes, honestly, you do need some space. So distraction's good. But what we're talking about is when you do these things and they have like a net negative consequence, which basically means like, I'm lonely and so I turn to shop, but now I have like a whole wardrobe filled with clothes that I never wear and my spending is completely out of control and I've maxed out my credit cards. Now I have a bigger problem. Or I'm feeling sad and depressed and I turn to food and now all of a sudden I put all this weight on and I am fighting to take the weight off. So I create the net negative result is I create problems for myself. 
So not feeling our feelings keeps you safe, which is what our brain wants. Our brain wants to avoid pain and seek pleasure. And it works in the short term, but the long term, not so much. Because when we resist negative emotions, when we react to them, or when we attempt to avoid them, that is actually when we suffer the most. Right. So those are the typical ways that we can deal with our emotions and typically the unpleasant, the difficult ones. Now, again, yeah, we're always we don't look- usually talk about, sorry to interrupt, but we don't <laughs> usually talk about how do we deal with the positive emotions? How do we deal with the pleasant ones? We seem to have figured that out. Although I was going to say, that, yeah, 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 there's always 50, 50 of everything. Although sometimes we can struggle with feeling some of the positive emotions. And I'm thinking in particular, like when somebody is grieving and that is a very, it's a very unpleasant emotion. It's a very, very healthy emotion, but they may struggle to feel things like joy and peace. And there's all sorts of reasons why they're struggling with that, but it is true. It may be hard to really get into your body and feel some of those pleasant emotions at times. And I think also when you step into feeling really positive emotions about circumstances in life, you you become vulnerable because you you kind of feel like, okay, this is too good to be true, or you wait for the other shoe to drop. So mm-hmm. sometimes we're not good at, at processing really positive emotions either because- That's right. Yeah. We're not sure. We're, we don't like how it feels. But again, our feelings are always coming from our th- thoughts. And this is, this is the, probably the, the biggest challenge that most of us have is we, we do link our feelings directly to our circumstances. I catch myself doing it all the time. I know Heather, that you catch yourself doing it all the time too. We say, oh, I feel this way because of this situation. And it feels that way, but we do have that space in between which is our thought and we get to choose it. And the only way we know for sure that that is the way it happens is you can take the exact same circumstance and you can look at what somebody's feeling is and it could be different. And that is because they are having a different thought about it. That, that's how we know why feelings aren't directly tied to circumstances because otherwise everybody would be walking around with the exact same feelings and they're not. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. So these the are the typical ways that we deal with our emotions. And now again, we're looking at things from the perspective of being a scientist and not a judge. We don't want to judge our feelings. We want to look at it. Is there one way that we can turn to the most? I think in reality, we probably do a combination of all three. Sometimes there's a dominant one, like for Leah, but that's okay. <laughs> We're all human. That's right. Yeah. And now when I, after I go through them all, I sort of look and I think, well, is resisting dominant? Because I've got some good reaction stories and I definitely have some good distraction stories. So it is, it's a combination of all of them. And emotions, pleasant or unpleasant are going to happen. Just like we talked about back in episode I think it was episode nine, that life is 50-50. It's filled with the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the hard and easy. So nothing has gone wrong when we find ourselves up against these emotions that we do want to resist or react or avoid. Nothing has gone wrong. 
So that's what we have for you today. Next episode, we are going to dive right in and we're going to talk to you about the fourth way to deal with emotions. And that's probably the healthiest way. But before then, I want to give you guys some homework. I want you to think about how you generally are dealing with your emotions. Are you somebody who tends to resist them? Are you somebody who tends to react to them? Are you somebody who tends to avoid or distract yourself? Or maybe it's a combination of all three, like me. And then reach out to us. Let us know. You can find us on Instagram, hl.lifecoaching, or you can shoot us uh, an email. And you can find our email addresses on our website, which is hl-lifecoaching. We would love to hear what is your go-to in how you process emotions. Remember... There is no right or wrong. We just happen to have these tendencies. And I'm excited that next week you'll be able to hear about the healthiest way to deal with them, which is the way that I'm really trying to work with right now. So have a great week, everybody. We'd love it if you would leave us a review and enjoy, hopefully, the sunshine as we're heading into spring. Take care. Bye. Take care, everybody.